car fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway on August 20th. Make plans now to be part of the action by visiting www.raceway.com and bomberito.com. It was another historic weekend for the NTT IndyCar Series on the streets of Nashville as Scott Dixon drove to victory in the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix. It was Dixon's 53rd career win, which breaks a tie with Mario Andretti for second on the all-time IndyCar career victory list. Dixon, a six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion, trails just one driver, the legendary A.J. Foyt, who has 67 career wins. For the second year in a row, the winning car was involved in a crash earlier in the contest and came back to win the race. Marcus Erickson went airborne in a multi-car pileup, made seven pit stops in the race, and ended up winning on the Wild Street course in downtown Nashville in 2021. This year, it was Dixon who didn't go airborne, but he certainly had an issue earlier in the race when he got drilled in the rear of the car as Jack Harvey's Honda in front of him slowed down on lap 26. The contact lifted the rear of Dixon's car off the ground, but he did not go airborne. Dixon had to pit for rear end damage, and the crew had trouble getting one of the rear wheels off the number nine Honda because of suspension damage. After his crew repaired the car, Dixon was mired in the back of the pack, but was able to use some smart strategy and a car that still had some speed to fight his way back to the front. Dixon's second victory of the season elevated him to second in points, just six points behind the leader, Will Power of Team Penske. Power finished 11th. It was the fourth closest road and street course finish in IndyCar history as Dixon defeated Team Penske's Scott McLaughlin by 0.1067 of a second. Here's my exclusive interview with the race winner, for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 Worldwide Technology Raceway, is the man who is now the second winningest driver in IndyCar history all by himself, Scott Dixon, driver of the PNC Bank Honda. Your 53rd career victory came in Sunday's Big Machine Music City Grand Prix. It was a tough fight, and you had to come with a car that was damaged earlier in the race. How were you able to do it? Yeah, it was wild. You know, uh, I think it just shows the, the the never give up attitude from the team. And, you know, uh, we kind of got into the situation because we had an air jack fail on, on the first stop and we went from, I think, 10th all the way back to, to 24th or 5th. 
And then uh, in that chain reaction, we just got caught up in a bit of a, a car park jam in, in turn five and, and got rear-ended really hard and uh, bent some of the rear suspension, ripped off some of the underwing and, and the strakes, which, you know, uh, gives a lot of downforce to the car. So we tried to repair the car as much as possible, um, you know, and, and then uh, get some good tyres on it. And, and ultimately, I think what won us the race was probably not taking tyres on that last stop, even though it was very difficult to drive for the last sort of 15, 20 laps, um, you know, to, to get those, uh, those passes done I think on the field at that point uh, was a bit of a game changer. Who was it that rear-ended you? I'm not even sure actually. Uh, there can't have been many cars behind us. I think yes. at that point I'd maybe just pass the 16 and maybe the 77 uh, but at that point nobody had nowhere to go. It's nobody's real fault. You know it was just uh, it was a traffic jam and I, I was lucky enough to pull to the right and kind of stopped my car in a hole and then the person behind me just had nowhere to go. And when you came into the pits the crew had difficulty getting the rear wheel off and, uh, I mean, at that point, did you just think we're just going to be, this car is just going to be a hunk of junk by the time I get back on track? Yeah, it was heavily damaged. You know, I think once you get through one of those situations and the car's okay, you know, you still got a good shot just in the fact that, you know, you're, you're at the back of the field. You've got so many options to try and uh, pull off strategy wise. And, and, you know, we saw that last year with, with, uh, with it, uh, Marcus, Marcus as well. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, the hard part was knowing that the car was damaged and the actual wheel was, was hit so hard that it punctured it, but then bent the rim and they couldn't get it past the caliper on, on the, on the brake side of the car. So, um, definitely a frustrating situation. Uh, and ultimately it would have been nice to have a car that was kind of whole at the end because it would have been a lot easier, but, uh, definitely made for an exciting race. So what was the key moment to get you back to the front? I think that key moment was not taking tires. You know, I think at that point, if we had taken tires, you know, we would have lost positions maybe to the 12 car and uh, we did lose a spot uh, to, to the two, but he stayed out. Uh, we knew that he was going to struggle to make it on fuel. But, you know, I think the hardest part is you know what's coming. If there's going to be cautions at the end and you don't have good tires on the car, it's going to be very, uh, very tough to keep off, you know, those people that are fighting. We saw that with McLaughlin. He was storming through the field. With four laps to go, IndyCar calls a red flag because Roman Grosjean's crash with Joseph New garden what were you thinking in the car during that 11 minute stoppage uh ultimately you know you you hope that they're just going to let it run out uh because you're the driver leading um but i know you know from from previous uh you know races that that we've had that you know they try to get these races to finish under green and you know as a fan of racing and motorsport you know uh even watching the imsa race today kind of trickle down on time you know the last four laps were under caution so you know you don't want to see that so it was uh, definitely great for the fans and and uh, great for the sport that we're able to race it uh, at the end and even though you missed michael cannon as your engineer was it almost kind of like a a blessing to have chris simmons back as the engineer because he he was he was crying when he was talking to you on the uh, radio after the race i don't know whether you could hear that in his voice or not but he teared up pretty bad and to have him around for wins 52 and 53. How special is that considering your friendship with him? Yeah, it's been a wild ride, um, you know, today included, but you know, uh, Kenan's still very much part of the team, um, has done so much for us and so many wins and, and, you know, we, we work as a team. Um, current situation is just, you know, we, we have Chris, uh, on the road and, and, you know, we'll see where that, uh, where that goes later, later in the year into next year. Um, uh, but I am so thankful for, for Kenan and, and what, uh, he does, uh, for myself and the team and, and, you know, it's, it's never one person that makes it happen. But Chris and I have had, uh, you know, such a, a great and fun relationship and hardworking. And, you know, uh, the thing I like with Chris is he tells me straight and, 
I tell him straight. I think uh, I was pretty mad at it, at not just at him, but just our situation yesterday. And I think that frustrated him too. So, you know, uh, it's it's uh, we win and lose as a team. And, and I think that's what's key. And, you know, uh, Cannon and, and Chris and, and everybody involved here do a fantastic job for our, for our team. And next up is the Palmerito Automotive Group 500 World Glide Technology Raceway. You're a former winner there. Can that be side of win number 54? Yeah, that would be superb. You know, it's definitely uh, going to be an interesting race there this year and Firestone are bringing an actual alternate tire to, uh, to, to you know, an oval. Um, so that's going to be an unknown for everybody. Uh, we definitely had decent cars last year and unfortunately uh, we got taken out both myself and Alex uh, all in, in, on a restart there. Uh, so, you know, for us, we just want to have a clean a clean race, you know, make sure that we uh, run up the front, have good speed. Um, you know, we'll work as hard as possible in this week off to try and make sure that we hit the ground running and have a fast car right out of the gate. Uh, but there's no guarantees, man, just hard work and, and hopefully we can be on the right side of it. Scott Dixon, congratulations. On victory number 53, makes you the number two all-time winner in IndyCar history. Congratulations on that big win, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Thanks, Mike. Marcus Erickson arrived at Nashville as the defending race winner, but this year was a bit of a struggle as the Chip Ganassi racing driver finished 14th after his car experienced mechanical issues late in the race. Erickson entered the race second in the standings behind Team Penske's Will Power, but heads to the Bomarito Automotive Group 500, third in the standings, 12 points behind Power. Race winner Scott Dixon moved in the second and trails power by just six points. But it's time for Erickson and the rest of the NTT IndyCar Series drivers to prepare for the next race on the schedule, the Bomberito Automotive Group's 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway on August 20th. Erickson is excited about his prospects in that race as he tells me in this Pit Pass Indy exclusive interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Henny, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 Worldwide Technology Raceways, Marcus Erickson, the winner of the 106th Indianapolis 500. Marcus heading next to the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. Big race. What do you think of racing on that 1.25 mile oval? Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, it's the last oval of the year, and we've been really strong on the ovals this year, so I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, I've had some good runs over there uh, in the past had a top five a couple of years ago and been running strongly so i'm looking forward to it it's always a fun event as well you know a lot of fans come out there so hoping we can put on a good show and of, of course i'm looking to try and, and win my first race there it seems like chip ganassi racing has found the secret to the ovals this year what do you think that is yeah we put a lot of uh you know, time and, and energy and resources into the oval package. We felt like we were maybe lacking a little bit on the ovals last year. So obviously winning the biggest race of them all in the 500 shows that that's, uh, it's been a good focus of us and it's been paying off. And, uh, you know, Gateway is the last oval of the year. So we need to make sure we, we continue our strong oval form because the points now in the end of the championship every weekend is so extremely uh, important. Because it is so close to Indianapolis, do you see a lot of familiar faces in the crowd that come through the paddock that visit with you guys before the race? Yeah, I think, you know, usually the, the gateway race is always a lot of fans there. And like I said, it's pretty close to Indianapolis. So there's a lot of, 
Indianapolis fans coming out as well, which we love. So it's uh, it's always fun to see see the fans back and see them, you know, coming strong to the races. Now you're in a battle for the 2022 NTT IndyCar Series Championship. How pivotal will that race be? Because the thing about oval racing, you can have a lot of comers and goers in the race, which can dramatically affect the point standings. Yeah, it's going to be extremely important. You know, four races to go now. We need to maximize every weekend and uh, uh, try and score as big points as possible. It's really tight there in the top of the championship. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going down the wire, but we need to just be, try and, try and aim for perfection and uh, try and aim for, you know, making the most of every race that we have now left. And it'll be three three races to go, counting the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. Got to ask you something about last uh, race at Nashville. You got to celebrate your Indy 500 championship with the team dinner. What was that like to finally be able to get the team together and celebrate that big victory? Yeah, it's always uh, fantastic to to get things, you know, get, get get together with the with the guys and girls of the team, and you know, with Chip, and he's always uh, putting on a good uh, good show for this uh, uh, kind of things. So that was really nice seeing everyone in a you know more chilled manner. Uh, and Nashville is a good place for it. It's, it's such a fun town, so I really enjoy that, and it's a good boost uh, for all of us. I think going to the last few races. Where was it? Uh, it was on Broadway on one of the. Was it all red? Yeah, all red, yeah. On the and was there. it the eight crew, uh, just for the eight crew, or was it the no, entire operation? No, it was, the, it was for the team. It was it for the whole team, yeah. You look at a guy like Scott Dixon as really being the one guy you really kind of need to be aware of in this championship because he knows everything that can happen in a title chase. Yeah, I think, you know, Scott is obviously going to be one of the harder ones to beat. But I, to be honest, I see all, all six, all the top six is really closely matched together and all great drivers and teams. So it's hard to sort of pick one as the biggest competitor. But of course, I have tremendous respect for Scott and he's he knows how, how to win championships. So I got to try and focus on, on staying in front of him and, and other guys for fighting. And then when you were ahead to a Gateway, what are some of the things around the St. Louis area that you find unique? I think the big, uh, what's it called? The, arch, the, the arch, gateway yeah, arch. The, the gateway arch. I, I, I love that, and uh, I think that's really cool. And that's always something that uh, stands out for me going there to see that one because it's super impressive. And finally, what about the excitement and the drama that comes with seeing a packed grandstand? It won't be a Saturday night race. It'll be more of a Saturday evening race. But the crowd really loves it. It's got its own unique atmosphere. What do you think of the atmosphere there? Yeah, it's, it's like a big party, and it's, you know, it's really fun to see all the fans there and seeing how much of a good time they're having. And I really hope we can put on a great show for everyone that shows up because it's, um, yeah, it's just one, a really, really fun weekend, I think, and we all, we all really enjoy it. Marcus Erickson, you always put on a great show. Uh, congratulations on the season so far. Your victory in the 106 Indianapolis 500. Good luck in the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. Our next guest is a driver that has competed at Worldwide Technology Raceway in CART, the Indy Racing League, and the NTT IndyCar Series. It's Elio Castroneves who scored his first career podium at Gateway way back in 1998 when he was driving for Hogan Racing. 
The ageless wonder, who has since won four Indianapolis 500s, returns for another visit to the greater St. Louis area, and he is just as excited as ever for the August 20th Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Here is my exclusive interview with Castro Nevis for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, is the one and only Elio Castroneves. Elio, I know throughout your career, you've had a lot of different races on that track, whether it be in kart, whether it be in the IRL, now in IndyCar. So you and Gateway go pretty far back. That's right. I'm sorry that I've been kind of like laughing a little, but I like when you say one and only, which is... I'm absolutely uh, accurate in what you uh, you said that. So uh, if it would be another one, I think you guys would be in a lot of trouble. Um, but, oh, man, I have so many good memories, Bruce, about St. Louis. St. Louis is a place that uh, gave my first, uh, another uh, great podium, and that's way back with Hogan Racing in 1999. I always enjoyed that place. Um Last time I was there, I was leading again. Unfortunately, made a mistake and stall in the, in, the, in the pits, and then we finish um, fourth. But just to show that uh, place is, uh, I can't wait to be honest to be in uh, St. Louis. I, I think I feel this is going to be one of our best best results of the season. It was a track that got off to a little bit of a slow start the first couple of yeah. times when it was built in the late '90s. But since Curtis Francois and Jonathan Bomarito and Chris Blair have taken over that race in 2017. It's been one of the highlights of the season. Why is that? Well, because you have people that care about it. That place has always been amazing. That place has been always been uh, fun. And in IndyCar series, you do need to have the biggest, the biggest thing that we have in our series. It's the combination of street course, super speedway, uh, road courses, and short ovals. And, and St. Louis is a perfect oval you know, to fit in our schedule. That was built for us. Uh, uh, it's perfect for the IndyCar series. And now there are obviously cups. Uh, a lot of cars are racing there, and uh, which is great, which is great to, to have it. So people that care about it made that happen, and I'm, I'm so glad that we're doing that. And also the fact that both Curtis Francois, Chris Blair, and Jonathan Bomarito have actively promoted that race. You see what the final result is, a packed grandstand. And that's very important, uh, especially on the oval tracks on the IndyCar schedule. Yeah, and, and, and create the, the diversity of the series, which is actually very much what we have. It's not a very common oval. Uh, this is remind the uh, a Motegi short version of oval. And, um, and it's very challenging. So um, I don't know. I haven't driven with these cars. Uh, I don't know what's the type of the downforce that we have. I remember very much what it used to be with the 1999 with those uh, the Lolas and uh, and uh, those almost thousand horsepower engine. So really, really looking forward to it. What are the keys to going fast at that 1.25 mile oval? That I remember in my in my experience, turn one and two are the keys um, because of the now these days uh, you actually downshift to third gear sometimes, which shows that. Uh, in an oval, when your downshift is very, very hard, and uh, having that momentum to, and, and not only that, it's the opening lap. So, if something goes wrong, you you messed up your lap. So it's important for you to um, for a good start and good setup uh, to to uh, to have a good turn one and two. Is it also it's shaped like a paperclip? So there's a lot of times you've got to be 
on and off the accelerator. So how valuable is that? In a way, you know, that's very important in road racing. And probably in brakes too. You know, in the past, um, with the, the downforce that we had, we hardly touched the brakes. And now I think it's going to be with the brakes. As I said, this is going to be a new track for me with this new uh, uh, version of the IndyCar series with the error screen as well. But um, I'm super confident that we're going to do well. And as far though, it's just the way the community embraces that event, the fireworks that go off on the parade lap, the fireworks that go off after the race. I mean, it's a show. And the race at night, you know, it makes it even better uh, because of the, you know, obviously during the summer, it's always every place that we go is super hot. So um, it's, it's, um, it's exciting. And that's, why, that's what we need in this series. And on our last question with Elio Castroneves of Meyer Shank Racing, as we head to the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 Worldwide Technology Raceway, I know you're close to resigning with the team. How far away until we can officially celebrate <laughs> Elio's return to IndyCar in 2023? Well, as I said, we've been negotiating. Jim uh, Meyer, Mike Shank, and I, uh, we've been talking and uh, talking to, obviously, partners. And uh, we'll let you know when uh, everything happens. Elio Castroneves, he's a great champion, four-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver. Congratulations on those four victories, all your victories, and uh, good luck in the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks, Bruce. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or... For household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. 
Jimmy Johnson prepares for his fourth race at Gateway, but his first in an IndyCar. Johnson's previous races on the 1.25-mile oval came in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, beginning with team owner Tad Gestichter in the Kingsford Matchlight Chevrolet in 1998, William Herzog in 2000, and Stanley Herzog in 2001. Johnson's return to Gateway comes with high expectations after the Chip Ganassi racing driver scored his first top five IndyCar finish in the most recent race on an oval, the High V Salute to Farmers 300 at Iowa Speedway on July 24th. Pit Pass Indy was among a group of reporters that talked to Johnson about his next oval race and other topics in this edited interview with the driver of the number 48 Carvana American Legion Honda. But after the race you had at Iowa, I guess you can... <laughs> More ovals, please. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, how much are you looking forward to the gateway race i am i feel like the sh especially what i experienced in iowa on a short oval uh, i just did much more in my elements and less thinking and more reacting and, and put on a great show so i uh, fired up for for st louis Contract, yeah that's yeah. I mean, when i look at indian being a single roof track i just couldn't find you know i couldn't find my rhythm couldn't go yeah. um i know ramon made it interesting on restarts when the track was clean and was able to work different lanes um you know, so I, I hope that I'll have that opportunity and I hope to kind of keep the track cleaned off up top. And that was something that I I recognized I needed to do at Iowa and why I continued to run up high even when I was kind of by myself. These cars, it's harder to dust off the, uh, the, the outside lane and to push up the lane. The marbles are so much larger than a cup car marble for whatever reason that when it sticks to your tire, you just lose control of the car. Um, so... You know, if you can keep it clean, I, I think you've seen a chance to have a second lane, and, and uh, hopefully, I can help inspire others to keep it clean and yeah. you know, have more racing. Is it a giant Martinsville the way it's shaped? Yeah, in theory, I, yes. But what's weird is when I look at Iowa, it looks nothing like Bristol, but it drove like Bristol to me. The off throttle time, chasing the edge of the, the gray. The, uh, the aggression needed, the way you rolled into the throttle, all of it reminded me of Bristol and it looks nothing like it. So I don't know what to expect to get here just yet. Yeah, I got plenty of feedback and everybody thought I was possessed or crazy or <laughs> something in between. So to me, it was just normal, normal oval racing. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's kind of showed me just how aggressive I, I need to get comfortable with on the road and street courses. Yeah. Um, you know, if I was to measure you know, the way I felt in the car and how much more aggression I brought it in Iowa. I mean, it was you know, double the aggression that I've, I've ever had on a road or street course. So I just need to trust the car. I need to let it do its work. You know, learning to trust the downforce has been more of a challenge than I anticipated, especially on road and street. But, um, you know, I was still working on it. Yeah, for sure. Even um, Simon Pagino, because I know Simon so well, um, he was really impressed with some of the subtleties that it took to run that line and how I how I used it and he was very observant and pointed them out so I, I appreciate his compliments too it might be from a selling standpoint yeah um you know I, I never thought I would say it, but I'm 
favor of more short ovals. Uh, I just think that they put on such a great show. Um, and with my own personal frustration at Indian trying to pass, and what I've been able to see at, at Iowa in those two races, um, to my surprise, these cars really perform well on a short oval. How is selling going at the moment? Still actively selling. Yeah. <laughs> Still out there working. Um, you know, I haven't heard no yet, so that's a good sign. In our Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway Spotlight, our guest is the winningest IndyCar driver in that event. It's Team Penske's Joseph Newgarden, who has won this contest three times in his career, including 2017, 2020, and 2021. Here is my exclusive interview with Newgarden as he attempts to go for a gateway grand slam in the August 20th Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, is three-time Bomberito winner, Joseph Newgarden of Team Penske. Curtis Francois owns the facility, but apparently you own that track. How have you been so successful there? You know, I love short oval racing, Bruce. I really do. I think gate... Well, what are we now? What are we? Worldwide, Worldwide Technology, Technology Raceway. Raceway. Uh, it's been known St. Louis... Gateway, Worldwide Technology Raceway. It's got a lot of names, but it is a great track. It's one of my favorite events that we have all year. I think the Bomberito Group has done a tremendous job, you know, really reinvigorating the event, bringing people from all over the state, people from Indianapolis. Um, and it feels like a huge event when you show up. But I, I love short over racing. That's the style that has really resonated with me as an IndyCar driver. So every year I show up, I look forward to it. And also, it's not that far of a drive from Nashville. So I'm sure you get a lot of fans that make the drive up for the weekend from Nashville. Definitely. I, I drive up myself. It's about four hours away. So it's it's certainly not too bad of a drive. Um, it's, you know, it, it really is a fun event to go watch. It's one of these types of races where you can see the whole track, obviously. Um, you don't miss any of the action. And I think you get good action at that place. You know, pit exchanges are really fun to watch when, you know, you've got people that are starting to fade on tires and you see their competitors trying to come in and undercut them on new tires or, or maybe go a little bit longer and overcut. It's, it's an interesting race to watch from a lot of different angles. When that track came onto the schedule or when it was brought back to the schedule in 2017, I recall there was an IndyCar test there and some of the drivers said, well, we might want to resurface here and there. When you came back, Curtis Francois repaved the entire circuit. That just shows the commitment that that track has to put on a first-class show at a first-class facility. Yeah, 100%. I think they've really, you know, taken the entire facility to today's standards, and it's a beautiful track, very fun to drive, um, very difficult to have confidence in your car but because it's so fast and their cornering speeds are such high commitment. Um, but that's the challenge, you know, that's the challenge we like as drivers is to, you know, try and find that confidence and find the edge over your competitors. And it's, it's fun to watch, I think, for fans from the outside perspective. And not only that, but they also put on a show. From the two days that we're there, there'll be USAC cars, there'll be Indy Lights, there'll be other forms of racing there. With, of course, the highlight is the NTT IndyCar Series. The fact that they go out of their way to make it so fan-friendly, I think we saw at Iowa Speedway, that's very important in this series. Yeah, no doubt. I think they put on an event. 
and that's what you want to have when you show up to a race, whether you're the driver or you're a fan. Um, and they do that. They do that better than, you know, any, anywhere else that we go. And so um, it's a real pleasure to, to work with them, to try and promote the event. Obviously, to be there and, and run the race is a, is a real joy for us. But they they knock it out of the park. And I think for, you know, fans to, you know, not only see IndyCars on track, but to see all the other great action that they put on is, is really a treat. And also with uh, Executive Vice President and General Manager, Chris Blair, you see him around the circuit from time to time. He's really engaged in the sport. And you can tell as an IndyCar driver how much you guys love to be in a place that loves to have you there. Yeah, I mean, when you feel the atmosphere, it's it makes it more special. And, uh, you know, we feel like they're putting their best effort forward. And, you know, we love to see that. It makes us want to give them a great show. And I think, you know, the fans appreciate that too. They can all feel that energy. Um, but absolutely, everybody that works at the track they and the facility, they do the best job they can for us to, to put on this event. The first time you race there and they... Shot off the fireworks on the backstretch on the parade lap. Were you ready for it to be that big? No, it, it's. T- I remember it catching me by surprise. I was, I was like, "What is going on?" There was fire. There was pyrotechnics, uh, fireworks everywhere. I, I mean, it was. It must have been exciting from outside the car, but it, it scared the crap out of me when I was inside the car. And it also seems that uh, we've had a lot of fierce battles out there on the track. I recall. You know, one time you and it, at that time, Simon Pagano were having, you know, you, in order to get around him, you kind of had to give him the old bump and run. He was a little irritated after that. But is that almost the type of track that you may have to do that in order to get to the lead? Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, close, hard racing is necessary to make a move happen. You know, if you're trying to, you know, you're trying to assert yourself over uh, an, another driver um, and gain a position, it's there's no gimmies at at this track. I mean, you've really got to sometimes force the issue. And so it can create some conflicts and some flare ups, but it's also obviously exciting to watch when that happens. And I, you, you hundred percent get that around there. And how long did it take for you and Simon at that time to patch things up? Uh, I don't remember it, it lingering much at all. You know, we went on to the next event and it was, that was that. But you're a three time winner there. How similar were the three victories? How different were the three victories? Uh, I can't, I can't remember each one's position. I remember my first one, uh, that was the moment where, where we were racing Simon to the finish. So that one was really clear and, and certainly remember last year's, but I don't remember what the middle one was. It was probably less eventful. I'm guessing. I can't even remember what the second victory was like. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Bruce? I don't remember. (laughs) Well, all I know is the only drivers that have won at that track since the return in 2017 Scott Dixon won a race there, and Takuma Sato won a race there, and that was the year of the doubleheader where it was two day races in 2020. Right, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a changing environment. You know, whether you run during the day or you run at night, it kind of changes the characteristics of how you drive there, but it's, it's a challenge either way. Now, this year's race is going to start fairly early, local time, so it'll be 7.45 by the time it takes the checkered flag so in a lot of ways it's going to be an evening race but you've had experience driving there in the daytime from 2020 is the track a lot different in sunlight than it is under the lights yeah you just lose a little bit more grip when it cools off um things tend to grip up and you 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 sometimes feel more confident with the car when when it's hot you lose some of that confidence which (laughs) makes it more challenging but um it's just one of those things where you got to tune around the conditions and make sure that you're you know 
keeping the car underneath you. And when you get to Worldwide Technology Raceway for the Bomberito Automotive Group 500, there's only three races left in the season. So as Will Power told me in an earlier interview, very important in the chase for the title because there's only three races. And do you see that as being a pivotal race to set up for the two road courses that you'll finish the season at? Well, you know me, I think they're all pivotal, but you know, by the time you get to three to go, you're definitely gonna need to be within, I mean, you have to be within probably 100 points to be in the fight. So um, it starts to, you know, whittle it down to, to the, the last contenders for sure. Well, and the other thing, you may not have won the championship the last two years, but they had to beat Joseph Newgarden in order to win it. So in a lot of ways, you know, you've never really left the championship fight. Just two other guys have won it the last two years. You have to feel going in there that if you're within striking distance, this could be the year that you get championship number three. I hope so. We've been close, um, but fell short, so I don't want to hold my breath. But, you know, we're working hard every day to, to be in that fight. And also, uh, just wrapping up with Joseph Newgarden, the team Penske, well, one year you got throughout the first pitch for the St. Louis Cardinals game, and I know you used to be a baseball player as a kid growing up. How big a thrill was that to walk out to the mound at Bush Stadium with all the fans there for a St. Louis Cardinals game? Oh, it was a ton of fun. Um, yeah, I played baseball growing up as a kid, so to have that opportunity was super cool, especially in that stadium with all the history, and yeah, maybe get to do it again in the future. Joseph Newgarden, Team Penske, good luck in this year's Bomberito Automotive Group 500 Worldwide Technology Raceway. Thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks, Bruce. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. We want to thank our guests, Scott Dixon of Chip Ganassi Racing, Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing, Elio Castroneves of Meyer Shank Racing, Jimmy Johnson of Chip Ganassi Racing, and Joseph Newgarden of Team Penske for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And we especially want to thank our partners, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Make plans now to see one of the biggest and best IndyCar Series races of the season on Saturday, August 20th. For more information, go to www.wtraceway.com and bomberito.com. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.